16, 2 Chronicles chapter 25, verse number 16. And it came to pass, as he talked with him, that the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear, why shouldst thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee because thou hast done this and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. The phrase we want to emphasize is, Art thou made of the king's counsel? <clears throat> Are you made of the king's counsel? Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that this morning you help us to see some things that would be a blessing, be a, uh, an encouragement, guidance, light for our pathway, but then also, Lord, uh, an application of where we're at today <clears throat> in uh, 2017 in this country that you've blessed so very much. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand uh, the proper relationship that we should have with the king's council or with government. <clears throat> so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we look to this, that we would not be taken out of context, but we would understand the story here, but then also see how it applies to us. Lord, I pray that you just bless, bless your people here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the music and for the, the wonderful opportunity to praise you and to uplift your name so far. And Lord, I pray that you would now bless us as we look to your word. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> as we, <coughs> excuse me, as we continue with Jehoshaphat's line, his lineage, we uh, talked about his seed, you know, and the seed of his own destruction was sown in his posterity. We saw that the first week, and then uh, we we noticed the next week the trophies that David had provided to the house of God years and years prior to that point enabled greater victories, and we looked at trophies and looked at our trophies. And we saw training wheels as we uh, saw <coughs> Joash's uh, training wheels put on him, and, and uh, they were blessed, and they were directed and encouraged until those training wheels were taken off, and then they actually saw the, the strength and the, the moral compass that the man had. And then we looked at cutting your losses, uh, we saw that uh, uh, the next king, although did some very uh, uh, bad moves, got to the place to where he was able to stop in his tracks and cut his losses and say, you know what, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do, and that's the king that we're looking at today. Um, uh, the, the man is Amaziah, and, and he did. He cut his losses and, and began to, to follow the Lord. And today... We're going on into Amaziah's life, and it's too bad that we have to because he would have done pretty good if he ended up at the last week. But he goes on in his life, and, and we see here he gets crossways with the prophet of God, crossways with the instruction of God. And uh, so we're, we're looking at agreeing with the government this morning. <clears throat> last week when we talked about cutting your losses we talked about when you made some bad moves, some mistakes, some taking you away from God. In the verse number 9 uh, in this chapter, says, And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? Um, and, you know, that was the wrong move. And God made it clear. He says, No. And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. We mentioned how that stopping in our tracks and changing direction, no matter the apparent losses, is ultimately the best way to go. And we said last week, we, we, we emphasized just turn around. 
and go God's way. This morning, continuing to follow the trajectory of Jehoshaphat's direction and his, where his posterity went, we continue with the life of his great-grandson, Amaziah, that we began last week. Remember how that Amaziah made some good moves? He made some good moves in believing God and cutting his losses, allowing God to replace whatever he wasted away, the bad things, bad decisions that he made. And we can all say we've done some dumb things and some made some bad moves. But he, he, he stopped, he listened, and, and he got back on track. And then he was blessed because of that. He was happy. He was healthy, strong, up until verse 14 in our chapter. Remember his wise moves in uh, verse number 9. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord's able to give thee much more than this. Then Amaziah separated them. He, he began to actually do what God had prescribed. Look down to verse number 11. And Amaziah strengthened himself. And in doing so, he saw victory we saw that the Lord began to bless him, and we read what took place from verse number 14. And that's where we pick it up here today. So let's take a look at it. Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 14. Now it came to pass, after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, now all of the victories, all of the good moves, all of the great things that he did, here's where it begins to turn. He's experienced some, some victory, some conquest, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir, that's God's little g, that's idolatry, idols, he's talking about idols. He valued, he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods, little g, and bowed himself before them and burned incense unto them. He's beginning to worship them. Verse 15, wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people, which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? And it came to pass, as he talked with him, that the king said unto him, and this is our text, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear. Stop and, and, and desist right now. Cease going where you're going. Forbear. Why shouldst thou be smitten? He's, he's threatening him. And the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee because thou hast done this and has not hearkened unto my counsel. With all of the victory and with all of paying attention to the Lord in the first part of his life and, and correcting himself and everything else, you'd think that he's pretty good. He's doing well. But then he comes to this point and it really messes up. He goes into idolatry. And why did the king go into idolatry? It just doesn't even make any sense here. Maybe it was because <clears throat> these little g-gods, this idol worship in this other land, it was new, it was different, it was um, interesting. He was curious about that. The promise of the possibility uh, that's what the people did there. They worshiped these gods. And so, uh, and there was promise of uh, prosperity because you're following these forces, these gods. So maybe there was a promise of possibility. There was, 
maybe carelessness concerning the warnings of God because he was warned very clearly. And I'm children of Israel to this point. God said very clearly to stay clear from that. Maybe he didn't fully know the nature of this God that he was serving. Maybe he was oblivious to God's warning of jealousy. Because every time that you look at the word of God and that God reveals himself to his people, he tells them, I am a jealous God and I don't put up with you going around and it's as though they were, um, the, the words used, whoring around in, in the, the uh, uh, infidelity of worshiping other gods. And God makes it clear that he's a jealous God. He, he doesn't put, that, put up with that. Maybe, maybe he wasn't clear about that. Maybe he didn't exactly understand what God's position was here. <clears throat> Jealousy is a, is a funny thing, you know. Uh, uh, it can be looked at as good, but then it can be looked at as negative or bad. Um, my wife doesn't put up with kidding around about jealousy, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll kid around about everything. We'll go into a bank, and there'll be two tellers that are saying, I'll serve you here, or I'll serve you, you know, and they're kind of, and then afterwards they'll say, hey, honey, did you see those gals? They fought after me. <laughs> they were, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and she doesn't look kindly to that stuff. Her, respi- her response to that is like, sure, go, have at it. Don't come home, but sure, you know. I can't joke with her about that. You know, it's just like, she didn't have a sense of humor there or something. But you know what? I've learned that. She didn't put up with that stuff. Yeah, uh, husbands, go ahead and, and uh, let your wife know that, you know, you really like how Mrs. So-and-so bakes and, and cooks, and so you're going to go over there for dinner, uh, and you're going to be doing that for the next week or two because you really like her cooking, or, or you, you know, you see somebody else or whatever. Listen, that doesn't, that won't fly. That won't fly. You don't put up with that, and, and properly, rightly so. Listen, God doesn't put up with that. God doesn't put up with worshiping other things. And you know what? We're, we're talking about idolatry of uh, these idols that they set up, uh, statues. We, we can think of Buddha or whatever, little statues that people bow down to. I was in Catholicism where there was all kinds of statues in the, in the Vatican, and, and uh, they were so... Uh, so venerated and so honored and they would uh, uh, kiss the, the feet of the statue so, so, so much that the marble wears down, wears away because of the veneration of these statues. And God makes it very clear. He says, no, you don't bow down to statues and you don't do that. And he, he calls that idolatry and he calls it wickedness. And God doesn't put up with that stuff. Who knows? Maybe Amaziah didn't understand this God that he was serving, but nonetheless... He takes these gods unto himself and he brings them home and he starts worshiping them. Why in the world did he go into idolatry? And then what God says here, I mean very clearly through the prophet, what God tells him is that this is totally unacceptable and he brings up the victory over this nation that those gods could not protect them. And you see the showdown at the OK Corral here. Look at verse 15. Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods, little g-gods, of the people, which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? 
Don't you know I blessed you and I, I uh, uh, give you the victory because I am over these gods and the, these false gods that they, they wor- worship and serve. Are you so dull as to not notice that I've overcome their false gods and you're worshiping these false gods? We've got to note that God is a God of force. He welcomes the contest, the race, the showdown. The biggest God wins because that's him. He's the one that wins. He's a God of challenges, openly whooping up on the opposition. And that's the way that God has always been. And that's the way that he's openly uh, uh, victorious over his enemies. You remember David and Goliath. And the challenge was, send out a man that we may fight. And the whole issue was not these, these uh, uh, soldiers down there on the battlefield, but which God was stronger and David said, no, no, my God's bigger than this Goliath. And he'll, he'll uh, make an open show, and he surely did. You remember later when, when uh, David came to be set in, in the, the throne in Jerusalem, that the Jebusites that lived in Jerusalem, they heard of David's uh, uh, psalms and how that he, he re- refers to idolatry as these statues are deaf and dumb and blind. They can't see, they can't hear, they can't help. And anybody that follows them, that worships them, they're just like them. He calls them deaf, dumb, and blind. And the Jebusites, they challenged David saying, let's see if you could go ahead and take the, the, the stronghold of Jerusalem because we have the power of our gods, the deaf, dumb, and blind that you were talking about. Let's see if you can overcome these gods. And it was a challenge between uh, which God was stronger? Which deity is, is truly supreme? The flood against the world of opposition in Noah's day, when, when God made an open show of everything and said, no, no, there, there's enough, he's in charge, and he, he, he uh, 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 worked to bring it back down to one family because of the wickedness, because of the... the uh, 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 Hip, the, uh, not hypocrisy, what am I, I thinking of? The, the word I'm thinking of, uh, like today, we're going into the, what? Help me. <laughs> you know, we're at the end times, there's going to be uh, apostasy. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, whoever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you, this is church, don't lie in church. The Tower of Babel was uh, uh, open. That was, and here's all the people getting together and saying, we're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to protect ourselves against, we're going to insulate ourselves against the judgment of God to come. And God said, no way. And he made an open show of nations. Elijah's contest on Mount Carmel. You remember Elijah? When he got up on Mount Carmel and, and half of the nation, well, most of the nation was in idolatry. They're following Baal, a false god. And so he says, okay, let's make a challenge. You set up an altar and I'll set up an altar for God. And we'll both call on, on our gods and let's see who's the, the real God. Let's see who answers by fire. <clears throat> and his, his uh, challenge was, if God be God, then follow him and serve him. If Baal, then go ahead and follow him. And there was a challenge. It was an open challenge. Prophecy is that way. God says, and he, it's an open challenge to all. He says, I'm the one that calls it before it happens. Before it even takes place, I'll, I'll identify it, and I'll, I'll tell you the end from the beginning. And he says, go ahead, you try that. Your gods, your, your deities, see if, see if that, uh, that, that can happen with them. 
The Bible's resistance to attack. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's a challenge, folks. Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. And although there have been those who have, have fought and have opposed the word of God for centuries, the scriptures cannot be broken. It still stands. Amen. Jesus' resurrection. Now, was that not open? <laughs> was that not an open show over sin, death, and hell, and the grave? You remember when, when uh, uh, the Pharisees came to Pilate and they said, now they're going to be uh, uh, stealing this body and so we've got to make sure to, to keep them in the grave. And he says, okay, you've got the, the power of Rome behind you. And he says this to, to them, take the soldiers, make it as sure as you can. Go ahead and, and fight against God. Go ahead and, 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 and see if you can overcome when Jesus said he's rising from the grave after three days. Make it as sure as you can. Try to keep him dead. Of course, that didn't happen. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his, in his crucifixion, you remember God blotted out the sun for a third of that day. There was an earthquake and there were dead men walking and God was making an open show, openly triumphing, openly. And then Jesus, in his resurrection, he walked around, witnessed by all, over 500 witnesses at once, at one time. Now, that's an open show, and God's making an open show over the enemies. You remember Paul's appeal when he says, hey, this is an open, the way that God operates is open and on the table and in the sun. When uh, he was being ridiculed in Acts chapter 26, you remember the story, verse number 23. He was saying that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he, Paul, was speaking, as, as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the, the, the words of truth and soberness for the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in the corner. I like that. See, it was in his generation. This had just taken place. And although there was a great suppression to try to suppress this Christianity that was just exploding, they couldn't because it was true. It happened. It was a reality. It was a fact in that time and, and their day. It was open and it was in the sunlight. It was proclaimed in such a manner. And that's the way that the Bible says we are to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As in Titus 1.3, God hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. That's proclaiming. That's heralding through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. See, folks, preaching is open and it's public. It's proclaimed by the town crier. Isaiah 8, 58, 1. Cry aloud, God says, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. And it's something to be proclaimed. It's something that's openly shown. So the showdown to Amaziah was noted when God says, hey, wait a minute, Amaziah, what are you doing? Don't you understand? I just beat this nation that you're taking their strong protection and bowing down to their, their gods, weren't able to take care of them. 
God triumphs over their gods. Why would you run with something that has been so clearly overcome, proven to have failed? And that's a good question. See, such is the case of those that are miserable in sin. People all the time, they're, they're going after, they're, they're running after this, this fulfillment that is never, that is not there. The promise of sin is empty. You have those, and they, they think, well, it'll be popularity. Hey, look at the celebrities in the country and how fulfilled they are and how happy they are, right? They're going from divorce to divorce to divorce to, to uh, drugs to uh, rehab to, to just, just ter- and, and, and suicide after suicide. Folks, there is no happiness in that. And somebody says, well, it's wealth. And you, you have the, the, the ones who are the richest that are the most miserable. What in the world? That's not fulfilling, is it? There's no joy, no purpose, no happiness, no real satisfaction. You know, when you, when you take a look at the, the result of that, say, that's what you're going after? That doesn't do it. And then you see a believer, somebody who had those things, didn't have any fulfillment or purpose or anything, and then they, they get happy. They have nothing. They get happy. <laughs> you know why? Because our God triumphs over that and over sin. And that's what he's saying. He's saying to Amaziah, Amaziah, don't you see? God triumphed over this nation. And you're, you're taking their, their failed protection and you're bowing down to that? What in the world? And the question then comes when God is speaking to Amaziah, the king who's into this idolatry, and he's just going to do what he, he's going to do. This is his decision, and, and he's going to uh, uh, continue in his way. It didn't matter what God said. It didn't matter what the prophet said. The warning, the neon sign saying warning, uh, the bridge is out. It, it doesn't matter. He's just going to go ahead and do what he's going to do. And so he, he go ahead, he, he uh, challenges this, the man of God, challenges God here, and he, basically he's talking about, wait a minute, the government, the king's council is supreme. Oh, really? Is the government supreme? Verse 16, it came to pass as he talked with him that the king said unto him, Hang on, prophet. Art thou made of the king's council? Are you saying the same thing? Are you in sync with us? Forbear. Why shouldst thou be smitten? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm threatening you. Physically threatening you. When Amaziah asked, Are you made of the king's council? He was saying, Are you in line with... Are you saying the same thing that I'm saying? Are you synchronized with government policy here? You'd better watch it, because this is what I, uh, what I say, and what I say is right, okay? What I say is acceptable. What I say is policy, and that's what the king is saying here. This is what is acceptable in the political, political realm, and he's telling the prophet, get in line. What about the government? Can the government be trusted to always decree good laws, good policies? What about when the government says that men can make merchandise of other men or women, that all men are not created equal? What about when the government says life is cheap? In 1940, Joseph Goebbels, the German minister of public enlightenment, said, Jews are responsible for economic and social problems because they are an inferior race and a parasitic existence. 
there is only one effective measure, cut them out. Thus began the unthinkable Holocaust. In this country, in 1858, Supreme Court Justice Roger Taney ruled, this is what he said, I quote, the Negro has no rights and privileges, and they're considered as a subordinate and inferior class of beings. That was in the uh, Dred Scott case. What about when the government tells us that marriage is not defined as God does when he made Adam and Eve and performed the first marriage in the Garden of Eden? What about when the, the, the ruling regime tells us that alcohol or pot or pornography or immorality or homosexual, homosexuality or prostitution is legal? Is it then? Does that mean it's okay? That means that's, that's right, that's okay, that's, that's where we are. That's, hey, that's government policy. What about when God doesn't agree with the national law? Who is supreme? You see, that's the question, folks. Who is supreme? In each of the mentioned social issues, God has ruled on right and wrong. The okay and the forbidden. The acceptable and the unacceptable. Well, let's see. Does God weigh in on slavery? Yeah. Sanctity of life? Absolutely. Alcohol, drugs, immorality, pornography, immodesty, homosexuality, gender dissatisfaction? I think he does. Well, let's take a few of these. Well, what about marriage? One man and one woman, according to Jesus, who quoted Genesis when he said Mark 10, 6, but from the beginning of the creation of God, made, uh, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. Now that's what Jesus said. He quoted the word of God. This is God's definition right from the very beginning. He made Adam and Eve, and by the way, it's right there, and he says from the beginning, and that means if you were to be an evolutionist, that means way, way, way back when there's all kinds of hominids and everything else. And uh, no, 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 Jesus was right, and he says from the very beginning of creation, this is what he did, and he identifies the, the genders, male and female, and he says, this is marriage. When male and female get together, two shall be, a male and a female shall be one flesh and committed to each other. That is, that is marriage. That's what he said. Now, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Since Obama's decree, gay unions have been acceptable, have been popular. It's been the law of the land. That's what government says. And you better line up with the king's council. You better line up with government policy here. Well, what about abortion? You know what? We, we don't deal with this as much, I think, as we prob probably should. Say, preacher, you know, you don't have to get real. The truth is the truth. I think, I think it was Martin Luther King that said, if, if you have a boil, you have to uncover it and you have to cleanse it out. Otherwise, you'll never get rid of the infection. You've got to deal with the truth on the table. What about abortion? God defines embryos or fetuses as babies or children. Luke 1.44, For lo, as soon as the voice of th thy salutation sounded in mine ears, Elizabeth said, The babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, it's a babe there. Baby, not, not mass, not glob, uh, not fetus, the babe. 
leaped in my womb. Ecclesiastes 11.5, As thou knowest not what is in the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with fetus. No, with child. God says, child. The, the bones that are growing in the womb is a child. Not, not uh, uh, an embryo. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. See, folks, the Bible calls that which is in the womb a child, a babe, a baby. Life begins in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5, this is what God told Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Wait a minute, sanctified and ordained implies that God had a plan for the life of the child that was fully blueprinted in the womb. Of course, today, Science reveals that a, a new human being has come into existence upon the fertilization of the sperm and the egg where the DNA blueprint is complete. <clears throat> Considered one of the greatest medical and scientific minds in history, <clears throat> Dr. Jerome Lejeune, I don't know that I'm pronouncing that, that name properly, but Dr. Lejeune, founder of modern genetics, he's founder of the science of modern genetics, said this, I quote, three to five days after fertilization, we can determine if the new human is a boy or a girl. Uh, notwithstanding today, we need to wait a few years <laughs> to tell that. But nonetheless, he goes on to say, uh, three to five days after conception, we can tell it's a boy or a girl. And he says, at no time is the human being a blob. That's a, I don't know that he's a believer. He's a scientist, okay? He's, he's, he's the foremost scientist in genetics, modern genetics. Dr. Michelle Matthews Roth, professor at Harvard Medical School, said, It is scientifically correct to say that an individual human life begins at conception. In their third edition work, Human Embryology and Teratology, O'Reilly and Mueller state, I quote, Although life is a continuous process, Fertilization is a critical landmark because under ordinary circumstances, a new genetically distinct human organism is formed when the chromosomes of the male and female pronuclei blend in the oocyte. So without ulterior motive, folks, pure science has weighed in to agree with the Bible. It's a child. It's a person. It's a, it's a, a, a totally complete, has everything that they need. It's just growing, but it's a person. Psalm 139, 13, that's exactly what the Bible says. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect or not formed yet, not, not finished. And in thy book, all my members were written. And you know what? That's exactly what the Bible, the, the Bible you know, coincides with science because they have everything, all the blueprint, all the, the hair color, the eye color, the, the fingernails, everything about, everything about, even, even before they're, they're, the, the members grow before, and it says this way, in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. 
But the king's counsel says otherwise. I'm talking about judicial law. Or government sometimes opposes God, what God says. The ruling since Roe v. Wade in 1973 says abortion is not murder, but is legal. In the over 500 abortion centers in this country, one million abortions are performed every year. I don't know if you, you heard that, folks. In this, in this land, in this country, over one million abortions are performed every year. Over 58 million babies have been exterminated in the U.S. since the King's Council okayed abortion. So those who speak with truth are intimidated by being accused of rebellion against the law, but regardless of what the king says, we must affirm divine truth to the contrary. Proverbs 24:11 speaks to you and to me, saying, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, <coughs> doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? And he's saying, you got no excuse. When you don't protect those who are vulnerable, the ones who, who are weak, who are drawn unto death, and you don't stop it, you don't get in there and, and do whatever you can to, to prevent that, God knows all about that. See, because God says this, the king's council says, hey, wait, 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 you better get in line. You better be, how, how does he put it here? Art thou made of the king's council? You saying the same thing that the government policy says? You better be saying the same thing, otherwise there's consequences. Hey, it doesn't matter what the government says. The king's council says whatever it says. So is, is the government supreme? See, that's the question. Is the government supreme? Second Chronicles 25, 16, art thou made of the king's council? What about tolerance? What about homosexuality? This gender confusion thing that we're dealing with today and the moral spiral that we're in. Let me give you a, a, an example of what has just recently taken place. Tony Miano, a retired deputy chief and former chaplain with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, was charged with, quote, using a homophobic speech that could cause people anxiety distress, alarm, or insult. He was in England, and he was part of a ministry. And let me just read this and, and listen to the story. M Miano had been preaching on a London street corner during the Wimbledon ch Tennis Championships with a ministry group called Sports Fan Outreach International. He was preaching about immoral living and cited homosexuality as an example of lifestyle choices that are contrary to biblical teaching. This is what he said. I quote him. I never used any gay slurs. He said, no, you would never hear me using slaying or discriminatory language against homosexuals or any other group that would be contrary to my faith. At some point, the evangelist quoted 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2, a passage of scripture that mentions sexual immorality. He says this, I quote him, I talked about women addicted to romance novels, men addicted to pornography, people with lustful thoughts, heterosexual fornication, and homosexuality. Miano told reporters, when I mentioned that the Bible was clear that homosexuality was a sin, a lady walked by, she glared at me, and hurled the F-bomb. 
Miano said that the woman came back a short time later and began to videotape his sidewalk sermon, and then she called the police. They were concerned about homophobic speech, he said, but I told them, I don't fear homo- homosexuals. The language I used was not homophobic, as I was not promoting fear or hatred of homosexuals. What he was doing, he was just reading the Bible. Miano said that he did not limit his remarks to homosexual acts. He says, I did not speak solely about homosexuals as a form of sexual immorality, but also about any kind of sex outside marriage between one man and one woman, as well as lustful thoughts, he said. All of these are considered mainstream Christian positions and have been taught and believed by Christians for thousands of years. Police took the retired deputy sheriff to a nearby jail where he was fingerprinted. Officers also took sample of his DNA and then he was interrogated. He was incarcerated because of just reading the Bible. It was not some, not some wide-eyed, you know, it wasn't crazy. He was just presenting the position that God says. This is what God says. <clears throat> Miano said that while he was in jail, he requested a Bible, and the police department provided him a Bible to comfort him with the very text that he read on the street that got him arrested. <laughs> Can you believe that? But folks, we're not far behind the U.K., no, no, no. Uh, with laws on the books concerning hate crimes that define biblical speech as such, we're, we're right there, folks. I mean, it's, it's probably not long to where we're going to be having these. And you've heard in Canada also and, and different places. Folks, here we are. This, this is where we are. See, now, getting back to Amaziah. Amaziah in our text, he threatens the prophet with physical harm if he doesn't echo current government policy, you know, the king's council. But we just cannot agree with a government that is contrary to God's rules, no matter the consequences. And folks, I'm telling you that, and I'm saying that's what we're, we're facing here. But truly, when it comes here, if it comes here, when it comes here, I'm, I don't fear consequences that the, that the, the, uh, the government or anybody's going to slap on us. Slap on me for preaching, for, for doing what's right, or for us standing properly. <clears throat> Folks, it all comes down to asking the right questions. There's two questions that are asked here. And let, let me kind of uh, share this, okay? So, so just bear with me. You've got to ask the right questions. The first question is not the right question, which is, are you in line with me? That's what the king's saying. Art thou made of the king's council? Are you saying the same thing, that government policy is, is, is acceptable? I'm going to do this, and I say it's okay. Are you in line with me? This is the king demanding the believer to agree with him, agree with his word, his perspective, his counsel, his values. This is the height of intolerance. And folks, that's where we are in, in the, the tolerant, crazed society. The height of in, intolerance is you better be saying what we're saying. You better agree with us. Because if you don't agree with us, if you don't agree with this governmental, this national policy, then you're, you're uh, uh, going to catch it. Men are notorious to force others to agree with them. And trying to get even God to agree with them. That's what this king is saying. Hey, prophet of God, you know, you that hold the word of God and God's evaluations? No, no, no. You better be in line with the king's council. That's why they design their own gods, their own religions, their own moral standards and values. 
They're even more emboldened when they gather a crowd to believe as they do. As long as we, we get a lot of people that feel this way and it's popular opinion, then we're okay, we're safe, but you know, to no avail. Because the Bible says, Proverbs 16, 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, though hand joined in hand, that means if you gather a great gathering, you get a lot of people to, to look at it just like you do. You get a lot of people to, to feel the same way. If this becomes public opinion, though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. It doesn't matter who says, it doesn't matter who's, uh, the, the, when the government says, hey, this is what we agree. <coughs> and God says, I see it differently. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. The question shouldn't be, are you in line with me, but should be, am I in line with God? That's a world of difference, folks. See, this is the most important question that you'll ever ask yourself. Am I in line with God? Because you'll be held accountable to his laws. See, because this is what the Bible teaches. God affirms that we are in need. We're sinners. We are a fallen race. From the time of Adam, who chose to rebel against him and his rules, he took upon himself the curse of humanity, and he's got a sinful nature that he's passed down to you and to me. So the Bible says that we are in need. We are sinners. We are defiled. There's none righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, this is what the Bible says. Am I in line with God? Do I agree with God? Do I see it as God sees it? And God says that we are defiled, that we are sinners, that we are corrupted. And, and what we have to offer to try to get us back to God is unacceptable. And that's what God says, that we're sinners. But the Bible also says that he loves us so much that he sent Jesus. He provided what you could not. He had Christ to live a sinless life. I could not. Follow all the directions. I'm, I'm a lawbreaker. I'm a rule breaker. To be the, the, the well-pleasing son that always pleased the father. He's the one that took that perfect life and offered himself as the, the payment, the sacrifice for my sin. Something I could not do. And you know what? The Bible says because of God's love, he sent Jesus to be that sacrifice for me. That's what the Bible says. He provided what you couldn't, what I couldn't. The Bible affirms, God affirms that we must repent and receive what he has provided or perish. Am I, in line, am, am I in line with God? Do I agree with God? Listen, you better, and it doesn't matter who you are, you better agree with God. You better get in line with God. What, what about this? Are you in line with me? That doesn't, that doesn't matter. That doesn't work. You're facing God when you die. And the Bible says you better repent and receive or perish. It's your choice. Nobody else's. And that's what God says. It's your choice. And you must choose. That's what God says. Am I in line with God? Now, the thing about it is, he's provided salvation. Aren't you glad? I, listen, I'm one happy camper here because... I don't deserve not a bit of God's goodness, of his grace. But I took him, I took the offer that was on the table. I'm a sinner. I've, I've transgressed. I've got a stained soul. I need what God can provide me that I can't provide for myself. I need to be saved. 
I'm the sick in need of a physician. And I came to him and I said, Lord, you did that for me? You actually love me that much? Love me more than anybody else has ever loved me in all the world? And you, you died for me? If I was the only person in the world, I was told, Jesus would have still came and died for me. It was overwhelming, overwhelming. And you know what? That's paid, it's there, it's complete, it's finished. Whether or not you accept it or not, it's there, it's on the table, and now it's your choice. That's what God says. And to be in line with God, the Bible says, as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. That's what you need to do. You need to receive Christ. Am I in line, in line with God? You see, because the, the real question is, who's in charge? See, Amaziah deceived himself, uh, thinking that he was the supreme. This, I mean, I'm on the top in the nation. <clears throat> the buck stops here. But, but God rebuked him in mercy. He was trying to get him to, to repent of his sin, repent of his foolishness, stop hurting himself. And, and God rebuked him in mercy but then had no choice but to bring him down in judgment. See, because who is in charge? Is it Amaziah that says, are you, oh, how, how did he put it, art thou made of the king's council? Wait a minute, are you in line with what I think is right and wrong? Are you in line with government policy, what we said is okay? Are you, are you in agreement with that? It doesn't matter. You're not in charge. Amaziah is not in charge. Government is not in charge. The correct answer to this question, who's in charge, will guide you to safety and salvation. Because listen, friend, you're not in charge. You're not in charge of your life. There's, there's very little that we're in charge of. You're definitely not in charge of your life, your consciousness. You're not in charge of your death. You, 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 can't, you can't tell God when you're going to die. No, no. It's appointed unto man once to die. See, God's made an appointment that you will keep. You're not in charge of that. You're not in charge of your destiny. God is in charge of your destiny. See, God is. So you, you better be made of the king of kings council. How about that? You better agree with him. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment.